You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. If you're the kind of person that has zero interest in wine, beer, pizza, food trucks, music, fun, I mean fun even like a great stop kind of fun, those kind of experiences, turn this off right now. I'll give you a second. So for those of you that are still here, This is going to be your day. I am just so excited. In fact, let me just read a little bit about Michelle's responsibilities. Along with uh, her husband, she's co-owner, director of marketing and events, pruning, picking, working on the bottle line, helping, she's helped start a brewery, cidery, and a wood-fired pizza kitchen. And I think she has a certain amount of responsibilities when it comes to great stomping. From Carlos Creek Winery, or now maybe Bold North Cellars, I'm going to have to ask that specific question of Michelle Michelle Bredesen. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. It's great to see you. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing well. Good. You, You wear a lot of hats. Yes, yeah. And I mean... I feel like for most small family-owned businesses, that's a pretty common thing that you'll find. Yeah. Kind of do it all. And then you got family and all that. So it, we'll talk a little about how to balance that. And, and then on top of that, um, you were recognized back in March in the Star Tribune, along with four others, five women who are shaking up Minnesota's wine world. And that was a great article to read. And again, I'm just so excited to have you on. So let's step back a little bit. Kid growing up in Fargo, go to college. How did you end up in the wine and beer business? That's a great question. (laughs) So, I mean, all through my early working career. So from about the age of 16 and all the way through college, um, I always had a food service job. So whether that was working in a kitchen, I did some prep cooking for a while, some line cooking, I did some serving. Um, So I've been kind of hands in that industry for a while. Um, And I always loved it. I always loved the people. I loved the people I worked with. I loved serving people. I thought it was just so fun to learn why people were at the place that I was working. And everyone seems to have such a good time when you're out with friends and family and celebrating whatever life event you have going on. So just being a part of that and being able to talk to people about those things was always really fun for me. Now in college then I joined a sorority and I was kind of ahead of philanthropy, planning events, um, doing a lot of marketing for those events. And that was just kind of a new world of the industry that I hadn't seen before, the hospitality industry and planning events and um, getting my feet wet in that. And I 
I really enjoyed that part of it too. And just the logistics and making sure people are where they need to be when they need to be there. Um, so that was a, a fun test of that. And then I met my now husband at the University of North Dakota, where we both went to college. And his graduating year, his parents um, decided to change their life and buy a winery in Alexandria, Minnesota. So he graduated uh, with the intention of just working there for maybe a year and then continuing on to law school. But he decided from there that he really enjoyed it that one year. And so then I was graduating the following year. And so, you know, we were still dating and wanted to see where the relationship was going to go. So I was looking for jobs in Alexandria, Minnesota, where I had never visited before or been. <laughs> and I was looking around and one day his mom, Tammy, had reached out and said, Hey, do you have any interest in doing weddings, like planning weddings, doing weddings out here at the winery? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that sounds fun. I think I could do that. Um, never really planned a wedding before, but I'm sure it's not that hard. Right. <laughs> but I did. So I did accept that role. And um, so when I moved then to Alexandria to the winery, um, they had not really ventured into events yet. So I kind of developed the event program. Um, I think the weekend after I graduated and moved to Alexandria, I had my first wedding. So that was, that was really fun to kick off, kick off that career. But yeah, it's, and then obviously we have the wine side of things, which I would say from an early age, our our family or my family was really big into wine. So we we're a very French oriented family. And I, from a young age, um, we were able to try wines with the family, drink a glass of wine with dinner. Um, and so I was exposed to wine culture early on. So I was always the oddball in college. Cause I'd always want the dry red, you know, everyone had their Boone's farm or box <laughs> wine and, I was always like, oh, guys, I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> so, so I've always had that appreciation from wine from a young age. So coming to a winery and working and doing the wedding side seemed like a natural fit because um, it's definitely part of everything growing up that I love and that I, you know, really have a strong affinity for. Um, and then the beer side of things kind of came along as we we're working here and developing the wine. Um, I believe it was in 2013, we started getting the idea that, you know, it would be fun to, to add that component to this business. Um, we were seeing a lot of groups coming out and a lot of ladies, and then they'd always be like, Oh, the guys stayed back, you know, just ladies coming here. Uh, so we're like, you know, what could we add that would really make it so that the whole group of people could come out and celebrate together rather than splitting up these groups and um, doing separate activities and being a part of an alcohol industry, you start really gaining an appreciation for different types of alcoholic beverages. Um, so beer is definitely something that my husband and I have enjoyed um, together and just kind of the history of beer, the, um, and just we're, we're beer fans. So when we're at home, a lot of times we're drinking beer. Um, and when we're at work, we're drinking wine. So we're like, you know, it'd be really fun to, to venture and get into that market. Um, so then in 2015, 
is when we really started thinking about it. And then in 2019 is when we, or 2018 is when we really solidified our plans um, and got things rolling. So 2019 is when the brewery opened up. And since then, we really have seen the whole family come out, kids, grandparents, the whole family. And it's been so fun to see those connections and see everyone out here enjoying life together and celebrating. And it's really kind of full circle brought it all together. And then adding the pizza was a obvious, you know, a fun, unique food item in this area that really pairs well with beer and wine. I mean, you, what, what can you do wrong with pizza? <laughs> so let me, I, I gotta ask you a question. So it was somewhere around 2008 or nine that you headed East to Alexandria, somewhere, somewhere in that time frame. And I think what you just said, if I heard correctly and listened well, in the beginning, it was wine and not even an event center. It was a winery. Yes. Carlos Creek. And was it Carlos Creek from day one, Carlos Creek Winery? It is. Yeah. So my in-laws had purchased the business as a winery. So the winery actually opened in 1999 with a different family. The Johnson family started the winery. It was, the property was a dairy farm previous to that. So they planted the first grapes. And then when my in-laws purchased it in 2008, it was, the previous owners ran it as more of a hobby versus a business. So it was just kind of a fun thing. They had their friends come, gave them free wine. You know, it was just kind of a, a cool thing for them. Um, they were independently wealthy and just thought it would be cool to own a winery hmm. where my in-laws obviously needed it to be a business and to be it, have it make money and um, have it make sense and have the vines actually produce. And so when they got here, it was a little, it was a little rough the, the first few years because they had to get all the vines cleaned up. So they'd actually start producing more and really figure out the wine and where they wanted the wine to go. Um, and it's been fun because I got here in 2009, just a year after they purchased it. So Tyler and I have been pretty much involved with the wine direction ever since then. Our winemaker has been here the entire time as well. Um, and we've all kind of grown together, which has been a really, I mean, I think crucial to the success. He, the winemaker has been there since the, your family purchased it, not, not the previous. Yeah, okay. so he was with the previous owners. Oh, okay. And when they bought the winery, he was here already. Um, he had just kind of apprenticed under the previous wine makers that were also here and had learned that way. So when my in-laws took it over, they actually sent him to more schooling because he had not ever had official schooling in wine, um, which he was grateful for and really you know, appreciated that they wanted to invest in him and his education. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hey, before I forget, what sorority? Kappa Alpha Theta. Because I was the busboy and then the head busboy at Alpha Phi oh, in Grand yeah. Forks. In Grand Forks. In fact, it doesn't focus very well for some reason. <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, my that, gosh. That that's hair. my ID. I love um, that. 1974 from your alma mater. I it's not my alma mater, but it's your alma mater. 
Okay, so thanks for those, those details. So I'm curious about the strategic thinking path between you and Tyler and your your in-laws when it came to we have this winery you were asked hey would could you help me with an event weddings and this has now become a pretty significant event center with regards to weddings and all that kind of thing tell me kind of the timeline on you you're arrived you you've worked on a, a wedding almost from the get-go how did you decide as a team um, to add space for an event center? And you, you already shared kind of how you got into the brewery business. Talk, talk about that timeline. And I'm curious for a couple of reasons. One, here in Minnesota, it's not necessarily wine country as most of us think. Um, not, not even really beer country, even though beer is everywhere how you went about this pro and it's in alexandria somewhat removed it's halfway between the two kind of big metro areas of cities and the fm area how did you go through that process and and then make and then the decisions about this is going to be a good thing for us to do kind of walk through that with me if, if you would please so the decision to add events um came about as so the original owners had built a horse stable that housed about 13 Arabian horses. So they were their daughter was really big into horses. And so they built this state-of-the-art riding facility. They had paddocks. And I mean, it was pretty elaborate for this area. And the building itself was, you know, built out with wood stalls and, you know, wood and iron. And it was just gorgeous inside for um, a horse facility. And so my in-laws, not knowing anything about horses or wanting to start a horse business, had looked at this big empty space. It's about 9,000 square feet on the inside. So huge space that was just sitting oh, wow. empty. Yeah. And they're wondering, okay, what do we do with all of this? We've got this building. We don't want to do horses. It actually had a, when I started doing weddings in it, it had a dirt floor with a plastic, like lego floor color covering sort of thing where you would just like snap it together and now you have a white plastic floor for your event the uh so starting off it was a different type of wedding that we hosted here at the beginning um and actually even the wedding industry from when i started weddings in 2009 to now has changed so dramatically um that it's it's been fun to see the changes and as an organization, we've really um, made the investment that, you know, every few years we're renovating that space to make sure that it's still updated. It still matches what people are looking for, for their wedding destination. So in 2009, like I said, we started with 16 weddings and we had this plastic floor covering and it was pretty promote or uh, primitive. I would actually go through and take the weeds out. <laughs> <laughs> as one of my duties, I would, you know, make sure the spiders were all gone. <laughs> so it was, it was rustic for sure. The first couple of years that we had weddings. Um, and then in 2000, between 2010 and 2011, we did a huge remodel where we put in an actual floor and we built out bars and staging and really decided that this was something that was 
um, profitable, something that made sense for us to continue doing and expand. Um, so starting with 16 in 2009, um, we got to full capacity, I believe in 2012 and started doing about 50 weddings every summer, um, from there Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. So we, yeah, so we are, we're pretty busy in the summer we do about two weddings a month. Um, we do also have winter weddings, but definitely a little bit less, um, in the winter than in the summer. I'm assuming you have couples, folks coming in from beyond the Alexandria area to accommodate 50 weddings in a summer. I mean, that's that's a busy, busy schedule. Yeah, it, it has been busy. And it is interesting. We, you know, when we started looking at where our clientele was coming from, we started changing our marketing a little bit because we were noticing most of our couples were from out of town. Whereas a lot of the other venues in Alexandria were catering to the in-town clients. Um, I think one reason, another reason why we started the wedding side was for customers to be able to experience our wine in a very different setting, a very for a very different reason, um, to kind of create a connection. So, you know, people that get married at a venue, normally it's just a venue and there's no, you know, you're there one day, you can't go back and visit. It's a venue. Um, whereas here we really push that, yes, we have a venue side of our business, but our main business is the winery and the brewery and come back for your anniversaries, come back and you, you get to drink the wines that you had on your wedding day. You get to experience it all over again. Um, if you want to come back for that, for that experience. So we do get a lot of our, our wedding couples end up being wine club members or just keep that relationship going. So it's not just about the one day. It's really about building a relationship and a place that they can come celebrate. We have a lot of baby showers of our wedding couples that come back and do their baby showers. So it's, I, we feel like we actually get to be a part of their life rather than just this one day celebration, um, which is a really cool piece for us. But what's the capacity for a wedding or event? So we'd like to cap it at 350, um, which we could fit a lot more than that. but. It's just for the style of weddings we like to do and for our space, we like people, guests to be able to have room to move around. I'm sure you've been to a wedding where you can barely get out of your chair because there's somebody right behind you. Yep. And you're kind of like wiggling through. Nobody likes that. No, because it reminded me of the airplane, the air, the airplane flight to the wedding where I'm, you're cramped in that little seat and you have no space. Well, the local hotels must just love you. Yeah, we do a lot with the hotels. Um, I'm actually on the Explore Alexandria board. Um, so that's the board. Um, all of our hotels or lodging collect a tax, a self-imposed tax that then we spend to market the area. Um, so I sit on that board as a tourism business um, that has you know stakeholding in the success of Alexandria as a tourism destination, mm-hmm. uh, which has been really fun to be a part of. And and they they definitely um respect and honor what I say too, which is awesome. And to have that symbiotic relationship. Um, I always tell them, you know, like we we just want people to come to the area. Like if if they come to the area, yeah, sure, they might come to us, but it just people's dollars being spent in our community helps everybody. A connoisseur of wine is a sommelier, right? I think that's how you say it. And and beer, I, I think it's Cicerone. Yep. 
Um, are you either one of those? I, I, or have you consumed enough, and, and you have you have the palate to be able to distinct? Are you are you kind of in that space? I mean, I've definitely consumed enough wine to say that I just. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a fair question. I'm sorry. Right? Yeah. No, I actually have completed my level one sommelier training. Um, I'm okay. looking to do more of that in the next few years. Um, just to expand my own knowledge, my own palate. Um, on on the staff, I do probably have one of the better palates for tasting, which for whatever reason, I don't know, but um, it's been it's been a cool thing to discover that I can pick out a lot of things and really sense if something's balanced or unbalanced. And um, so that's been fun. I have been wanting to do more with that in the beer. So whenever we have new beers come out, I I talk to our our brewer and say like, Oh, okay, I'm kind of getting this. Why would that be? Or what is like, what flavors are coming from the yeast and what flavors are coming from the cellaring, you know, what's coming from the hops. So I can really start developing that side of my palate. Cause right now, or before we put in the brewery, it was more just, you know, drinking beer to enjoy it, but not really thinking about where the compounds and the flavors are coming from. So now I'm really starting to delve into that realm as well mm. yeah i do i do like that part of the business that side of the business is um it's the romanticized part of the business but it's definitely something that we do get to do sure. as well let's talk about some of the events and and i'm going to really focus on the grapes stop when we get to it but walk us through the the lager fest which is june 17th and then the minnesota made um summer market in in june as well walk walk us through those and what that means to you and the alexandria area yeah so lager fest was something that we kicked off it was actually going to be in june of 2020 was our initial first festival of lager fest um and the reason behind it you know at the time so we our brewer that we have, our head brewer, is really passionate about loggers, which for a craft brewery was not really a thing back in 2019. But it also really fit our area's flavor profile. So, you know, lake, summer destination, um, rural Minnesota, we have, I mean, a lot of our clientele really just want a nice, clean lager, something easy to drink, something that you can sit with on a boat and not worry about the ABVs. And um, so we actually found a, we found a really cool relationship with our brewer when we, when we discovered him and he discovered us. And so we really wanted to elevate that idea of Minnesota craft loggers. Cause everyone before 2019 thought of loggers as, Oh, it's bud. It's cores. Those are loggers. It's not a craft beer. Craft brewery is really focused on sours or IPAs or, you know, how funky can I make this beer? How many different weird things can I put into it and call it a milkshake? (laughs) Where our brewer was much more traditional, clean brews, like just good tasting beer. And so we really wanted to bring awareness that there are craft lagers um, and we make them really, really well. Um, So we came up with Minnesota Craft Lager Fest. And so that was going to start in 2020. Obviously, we all know what happened that year. 
And so then we had our second attempt at our first annual Craft Logger Fest in 2021. And how we did it is we invited 19 other breweries. So it's a very small beer festival compared to some other big ones, but we wanted it to be more intimate. We only sell up to 600 tickets. Um, so it's not crowded. It's you have time to talk to the brewers because we really emphasize the breweries that we have come, they supply a brewer to pour the beers. So you can actually talk to the brewer. You can learn about their philosophy. You can learn about their beers. All of the breweries have to bring at least one lager. So there's a bunch of different types of lagers that you can try, um, all different colors and styles. And um, so it really just, it brings awareness to a newer style that's really old <laughs> that a lot of people haven't given enough appreciation to but is actually now something that's really popular in the craft brew scene is loggers so <laughs> kind of worked out how many people will you get this year for how we usually get between 500 and 600 people to attend and so we also do food trucks we'll have axe throwing like free activities axe throwing bean bags we'll have a dj come and um, have some music going. So it's really just kind of a fun laid back. You don't have to stand in, you know, long lines to get the beer. It's really meant to be like that kickoff to summer and the best summer beer, lager. I've often said to myself, something about the connection of consuming beer and throwing axes. I, I, <laughs> there's something about that, but I know it's popular. I mean, you just see it everywhere and you see that combination everywhere and people are having so much fun okay the uh, May, minnesota uh, made summer market what, what's that all about yeah so we do two minnesota made markets every year we do a summer one which is always the friday before the fourth of july kind of kicking off that holiday weekend and then we always have one on the saturday after thanksgiving so that's our christmas market um so being that we're a you know a Minnesota made product, we we really respect and honor all of the makers in our state, um, and we really want to give them a space. So anyone who has a like they make jewelry or soap or candles or tables and wood bowls, we want to give them a storefront, let's say, for people to shop. Um, so it's kind of our our fun just local vendors who home make their stuff and they, they want to showcase it and be able to sell it. So we give them the space um, to do that. And it's, it's the holiday weekends are always fun because we get a lot of people here during that season. Um, and it just makes for a really cool outdoor market experience. All right. Now I want to talk about the great stop. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so fascinated. It, and when you said, you know, 14,000 plus people show up, tell us the, 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 the idea behind this. And I'm coming to this one. I am absolutely coming because we're close enough. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, Grape Stomp is, we started planting Grape Stomp for this year in January. So we take about three months off to just give ourselves a, a Grape Stomp break. But uh, started in January, we kicked off our planning, but it's a three-day Friday, Saturday, Sunday festival in September that celebrates our harvest season, basically. So 
Um, we get in about 5,000, 5, no, five tons, so like 10,000 pounds of grapes and to stomp. Uh, we have every day we have heats of grape stomping. We have about 700 people that will actually participate in the grape stomping itself. So we have competitions where you can win prizes. You stomp the grapes as fast as you can. You have a partner that's collecting the juice and it it's just, it's a hoot to watch. I, it's so hard to really explain it in a way that really captures how fun it is to see people compete in the grape stomp. Is this your idea? No. So the Grape Stomp Festival was around before my in-laws purchased the winery. So the Grape Stomp Festival here has been going on since 2000. So it's actually one of the longest standing grape stomps in Minnesota. And I believe last time we checked, it's the largest single winery Grape Stomp Festival in the U.S. Because <laughs> why not? In Minnesota. <laughs> I love it. Makes sense, right? <laughs> so I, I had to do a little research. Did I interrupt you just now? No, you're, you're, you're good. I had to do a little research about grape stomping. Of course, learned that, you know, it's been around forever. You know, the Romans started it really to produce grape juice. But the other thing I learned is that it, um, unlike the press, it has far less seed damage. It re significantly reduces the seed damage. And so thus, the, the, the great stop isn't just an event for marketing and fun. It serves a very useful purpose. When, when you talked about, you know, the, the pounds of grapes that come in, they're, they're not just from your vineyard. You're, you're bringing men from other places as well. Yeah. So there's kind of a joke about this because we, you know, stomping on grapes, we don't, we don't use we don't use the grapes after we've stomped them. So we don't personally take the juice. The it's kind of a long explanation, but the the yeast that can get into the juice without us wanting it to and being able to like keep that separate just doesn't really work logistically. So we will actually take the must and use it um, for compost. So we add it to our compost pile. So we do use the product. We just use it as our compost to plant new plantings the next year. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so we actually stomp on California grapes though, cause they're cheaper than Minnesota. <laughs> Surprisingly. Oh, I, I just, I just absolutely love it. Yeah. Back to the, the vineyard and the grapes that you raise or grow. You know, most, when I think of ideal wine country, I think of, California. I think about that area up in the, I think it's called the Try something up in Oregon where they have this really arid place where they, it's perfect for wine. Down in Missouri, I know there's uh, a significant vineyard industry. And now, in, and, and so, and well, of course, to the, according to the Star Tribune on March 22nd, there are five of you that are doing a great job of, um, uh, working in the wine industry, tell me about the the, the climate in, in Minnesota for raising grapes and the grape that is the ideal fit for Minnesota climate, and then how you use it. What what you what what you produce from that grape? Yeah, so obviously Minnesota climate is 
much different than your Oregon, California. Um, we have a much shorter growing season, which is from typically May through September. Whereas in those other states, typically they're starting to get growth March through September. So we have about two months shorter. Um, we have some concentrated heat as well, where their heat's a little bit more spread out. We have some really short, uh, very hot days. And then we also get a lot more moisture. So like you said, arid. Yeah. A lot of the areas in like Napa, Sonoma, those are very dry areas. Whereas we in Minnesota have a lot more moisture. So the varieties that we grow here have been developed over the years by the University of Minnesota in their grape breeding program. Um, some also have been developed by independent growers and breeders in the state. Um, so those are the varieties that we will actually grow on property. Um, they've been genetically modified to be able to withstand mildew better. They can take our shorter growing season. Um, but still, it's still a struggle with some of those varieties. You know, when they develop the varieties, they hope that they can live in Minnesota all throughout the state. But even us in Alexandria, we are in a different growing zone than in Minneapolis. So we experience um, much colder temperatures than they do down in the Twin Cities or Southern Minnesota. Um, so some of the varieties that they can grow down there and that um, that produce will not grow up in our climate. Um, we have found that the the best grapes for us to grow are ones that are more akin to like German style or Northern France style. So they're going to be a lot of whites, um, a lot more higher acid um, type of white. So they make for really nice dry to off dry white wines in our state. So like La Crescent, Frontenac Gris, Frontenac Blanc, um, Itasca, these varieties are, La Crescent and Itasca are some of the newer ones, but they do really well in our state. And I think that style, um, and also, you know, those grapes lend themselves to sparkling or champagne really well as well. So the whites, I feel like our, our climate does better with, we do have a couple reds that are actually a few, one developed by an independent breeder called Petite Pearl. And then Marquette and Frontenac are the other two U of M varieties that have done pretty well in Minnesota. Uh, Marquette doesn't grow as far north as us, but in the southern Minnesota region, they grow some beautiful Marquette. So we do grow our own grapes here that we use for our wines, but then we do also get grapes from other growers in the state. So some that maybe have vineyards farther south so that we can get the varietals that we want. Mm. Do you collaborate quite a bit with the University of Minnesota and and their uh, wine program, for lack of better terminology? Yeah, we have. Um, so we know them pretty well out there. We've done some extension programs with them, some classes where they come and teach people how to prune out here. Um, recently, I helped uh, help them with their online viticultural program, so their website and um, their coursework for that. I helped kind of go through the bugs of their website and uh, make sure that it was user-friendly. Um, so we have done some things like that. We have never been a grow test site for them, but we have done that with some independent breeders in the state. So a guy by the name of Tom Plocker, he was the one that developed Petite Pearl and Crimson Pearl. 
Um, so we've been a test site for him for his varieties to um, determine hardiness and viability. Mm. Curious about branding. In the March 22nd article, it's referred to as Carlos Creek Winery. And it when you go to the website now, it, it's it's almost like um bold bold north sellers is more prominent for lack of better terminology. Um so if you if if you can, what what's the branding strategy that's been kind of evolving? If, if that's at least my sense. Yeah. Um and is that your idea? Yeah. So evolving is the right word for it. We, you know, over the years, as we grow as a company, you have to be able to take a step back and see what are customers thinking? Are there any confusions? Where do we go from here? What, you know, is our messaging making sense? And do people feel the same way that we feel about our messaging? Um, So what we are finding is that it was confusing for people to understand that we had a winery, Carlos Creek Winery, and a brewery, and the Pizza Kitchen were all owned by the same company, and also were on the same property, along with our event center. So people weren't understanding that there is a brewery out here. It has some different branding to it. It's not Carlos Creek Brewery, um, and that we actually the whole property is one entity. So that's where Bold North Cellars came from. Um, we in 2019, we worked on that and then launched that in 2020, which was unfortunate because it was also during the pandemic and trying to get that messaging out. And when we had so many other messages that we had to get out there about what the rules were these days and you know what can people do today? Um, so that was a bit of a struggle for us, but we've really tried to hone in that Bold North. So the Bold North really is more of an umbrella name it is the name of our property so bolnor cellars is our property that's you know and under bolnor cellars you can come to the winery and experience the winery or you can come to the brewery or you can come to both and there's a pizza kitchen on site and there's a food truck and you can also get married out here in the grand hall at bolnor cellars so it's more of like an umbrella term for the property as a whole to try and get people to start thinking of yeah you know they have they have the winery which most people know us for is the winery um but they also have these other things and it's on the same property and it's the same company trying to figure out what's going on at UND and Grand Forks where these young female students get this entrepreneurial bug i'm saying i'm thinking of you right now and we'll go back, by the way, in a little bit to ask about Tyler and law school. And then there's Marcia Murphy, who has uh, Cows and Co. Creamery out of Carrington. She actually started hers with a food truck. Now she's she and her husband have they make the most incredible Gouda cheese and gelatos, and they're in Brujala now uh, in in Fargo. And there's just something 
I don't know if it's 33 below for three months in a row up in Grand Forks or what it is, but I have a lot of time to think. (laughs) And uh, and fortunately, you you weren't a Boone's Farm person because we might not be having this conversation. So (laughs) I'm glad glad the familiar influence uh, led you down the path of a finer quality of wine. Let me put it that way. Um, I was going to ask earlier. So Tyler was thinking about law school at one time. Mm-hmm. Is that completely off the table of consideration right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. You know, after he spent the one year here, he really started to, because he also worked food service um, all through college as well. So I think that that industry, it has a, a really big pull for both of us. Um and I think that poll just is kind of what kept us here and and just being able to see it's so fun when you work in a family or a smaller business too to be able to have such a big part in the expansion and the decisions and and where where we're gonna go with it and you know what do we see as what what are our values and what do we wanna what do we want to expand and showcase from our values to um the customers. Michelle, your products, your wine and and beer, are they currently available in you know retail settings other than on your footprint? So we have different views of our products at this point. So our wine, we do wholesale. So the wine is wholesaled in Fargo. You can find it too um, at most of the liquor stores, Happy Harry's. Um, and then all throughout the metro and mostly, well, it's all Minnesota and then some in North Dakota for wholesale footprint. For the beer, because, you know, as we were growing and developing the winery, it was a, a easy thing for us to do to go wholesale and to keep that going. We have a full-time wholesale manager and he is able to go to all the stores and talk to people and um so that that system's worked out really well but one thing that's tr- that is hard for wholesale is that they expect the same wines year after year so over the years we've really whittled down our wholesale list so we make you know between over the course of a year 30 some wines we make and we'll sell in our store but in the wholesale market about uh maybe 12 of those will be available to wholesale. Whereas, um, and cause those are the ones that we can keep consistent. We know that we'll have those year after year and the liquor stores can count on them. And we then have to make sure that we're producing when they need them and we don't run out. So we don't want to do that with all of our wines. Cause that just, it distills some of our wines down to something that we don't want. So we have obviously our more um, upscale lines or more high-end lines or are harder to find and harder to source grape lines available in-store, but not at liquor stores. And also online. We do sell online as well for the wine side. For the beer side, when we started looking at our you know, profit and servicing the debt and all of that, we were really intentional about making sure that we were running the numbers in a way that we did not need to wholesale. So we want to be able to, you know, afford all of it and not have to wholesale it. Because to us, 
in the beer world, what happens in the wine world is even harder in the beer world. So there's very little shelf space. There's a lot of competition and the liquor stores expect, you know, they expect Oktoberfest beers to come out in August. They expect, you know, you to have a summer beer that comes out in this time. So it, they really dictate your production schedule. And especially if you get really big and popular then in wholesale, you're almost married to that. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to have that pressure and we wanted to be able to create whatever we wanted to create and whenever we wanted to create it and have that flexibility. Um, we just expanded our brewery now. So we built a beer production facility over the winter and we have added a canning line. So I don't know how familiar you are with Minnesota laws, but just last May, our state finally decided to allow tap rooms, um, craft brewery tap rooms to sell cans of beer out of our tap room. So where wine, we could sell our wine easy the whole time. A bottle of wine. Yeah. You come here, you can buy a bottle of wine. You can go home with it. Well, on the craft beer side and up until last May, we weren't able to sell our beer unless it was in a growler packaging off property. So when they made that law change, we like, okay, I guess we're going to start canning. So we got a canning line and we'll start canning our beer actually in like a couple weeks now. So that will be available for sale in our tap room, but again, in our tap room only. So when we looked at the expansion of the beer production, we really took into consideration not wanting to have to wholesale. So after running numbers, like, will this service the new debt that we just took on for this? Will we be able to service that without having to go wholesale? Um, So when we felt comfortable with that and the investment, there we go. Let's do it. I just love visiting with entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs make the world go round. Um, it, 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 it's the, you know, the backbone of our, our country's economy. And there's no two ways about it. Uh, and entrepreneurs are these incredible risk takers. And, and I think I'm, you know, I'm trying to process all the things you've just shared. So from 2008 and nine, The wannabe lawyer and, and Michelle head over to Alexandria. I'm sure the exact place that you wanted to end up. I'm sure. And your mother-in-law asked you to plan an event, and you didn't really have that experience. But lo and behold, here we are in 2023. It's not just the winery anymore. It's the brewery. It's the um, pizza operation. You have a food truck. The wedding and event center has exploded. I mean, 50 weddings in the course of a summer is no small undertaking. I I can't imagine what it's like uh, being around your operation this time of year where on top of everything else you have 50 weddings you have to plan and do it well otherwise that could haunt you forever and i just am fascinated about um how you guys think and how you plan and your strategy it it, it it's absolutely brilliant and for folks that 
aren't familiar with this part of the country, Alexandria is not a big city. It's oh. fairly small. Yeah, it's about thirteen to 14,000 in population. And it's, um, you know, give or take an hour and a half plus from Fargo. Same thing from Minneapolis. So it takes time to get there. But you're just knocking it out of the park. So, which leads me to this question. What's next? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we never we're never not planning for the future. Um, I mean, obviously this year we want to see how the cans go and make sure that that, that that part of the business and that we've invested into that is really going well. So with that, with the building of that, we also are renovating our tap room right now. Um, so this summer will be a good indication of that new flow and, um, and really seeing how that part of the business affects everything else. You know, every time we add a new thing, we have to assess how is that affecting everywhere else and what do we need to change on property or with signage or logistically or with staffing, you know, because everything, it's a dom- everything's a domino and you just have to be ready for what that domino is going to bring you. And you have to be flexible and be actually watching it and making sure that you're paying attention to it and not just saying like, hey, we're going to put this up. You guys have fun with it. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> So Tyler and I, this summer is going to be primarily focused on how how have our decisions over the last year affected property and what do we need to do to make sure that, uh, one, our staff is feeling supported, and two, that everything on property is still flowing in a way that is beneficial to staff and, cons- and customers. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's this immediate future. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're always thinking of new things. I don't know. We have we have ideas. Where do you find the uh, talent for uh, the musicians that you feature? Where um, they come yeah, from? So Tyler books all of those. Um, we get a lot of emails from different musicians that are interested in playing out here. Um, so we we schedule live music. It's every Friday and Saturday night, and then Friday and Sunday during the day from Memorial through Labor Day, and then we have live music every Friday and Saturday year round. Um, so we do have a hefty amount of live musicians that come through. Um, we have some that are local, um, some that are from St. Cloud, Fargo area. We have some that come from Metro. Um, yeah, we just, when they contact us, we're like, hmm, let's give them a try. See what give they're like. Try. So the blessings and curses of being entrepreneurs uh, being married, having a family, and entrepreneurs sometimes it's 24 7, 365 in a way. How do you and Tyler shut down so that there's quality time for you and as a couple and with your your son, right? You have a four year old yeah. son. Yeah, we have a four year old. How, how do you manage that? And I ask because. It isn't easy. Um, so how, how do you do that? You know, definitely seasonality plays a role into it. Sometimes it's easier than others. Um, we just really try. So I work full time Monday through Thursday. And then Fridays, I take off as my day with Jack. 
And then Saturday, Sundays are family days. But knowing that in general, most Saturdays and Sundays, one of us has to be around at some point for some. So we just kind of take team that. So, and, or depending on what the issue is. So if it's like a wedding thing that came up, well, then normally I would go and do something about that. Or if something in the tasting room or tap room, um, that's more customer related, I will usually handle that. Whereas if it's more mechanical or, you know, pipe breaks or toilets are flooding or (laughs) that's Tyler, (laughs) he gets those. (laughs) So we really try and, you know, we, I think the the key to being able to have that time away is to trust your employees and really make sure that your employees are set up for success. Um, so we rely heavily on our employees who we, I can't stress enough how amazing our team is and just the cohesion, the communication that we have all together. We, you know, over the years, like as you're adding new entities, as you're adding new full-time staff, you always have a little struggle of communication. Okay, who does this go to? Who does that go to? When Tyler and I bought the business last winter, that was a huge hurdle for us to all get through is who is communicating to who about what? Because um, when you have two bosses, it's hard to know, okay, do I come to you for that? Do I come to Tyler for that? Do I come to a manager for that? Like, where does that that come in? Um, so I think we have really spent a lot of time and energy in creating those channels that make sense. Um, for communication so that our staff have very clear direction on if they have an issue, where do they go? But then also it gives us some time to unwind and have those days. And when you, when you respect your employees time away, they'll respect yours. So that's another thing we really like really stress, you know, if you're on vacation, we don't need to contact you. (laughs) Like you need to set up before you go on vacation, all your channels of communication so that we don't have to contact you about anything. And we really want to respect that break. And so then when we give them that respect, they give it back to us. And that's been really, really helpful. We'll put all this information on mikeseminary.com, but what's the best way for people to learn more about the, you, your, your company, whether you want to call it Bold North or, or Carlos Creek, what, what, what's the best place to go to learn more? So if you go to boldnorcellars.com, you will get to a landing page that has all of our different businesses on it. So we do have specific websites for the brewery has its own website, 22northman.com. The winery has its own website, carloscreekwinery.com. The Grape Stomp has its own website, grapestompfestival.com. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> it's why big not? enough. That Yeah, that's a beast in itself. So it deserves its own website. Um, but yeah, so we have all of those different websites, but if you go to boldnorcellars.com, you will have links to all of those different things. Yeah. Michelle, what should people really know about Carlos Creek and Bold North or, um, 22 Northman Brewing? What, what else do you, what else, what do you want people to really know? I just want people to know that we, we're really focused on creating a unique and welcoming experience for everyone. And just, we really hope that people come out and celebrate life with us. That's what we want. We want you to come out and celebrate life with your friends and family and the people you love. That's it. Oh, I love that. But we don't celebrate enough. We don't. No, 
there's always a reason to celebrate. Yeah. And here you do it face to face. You don't do it through social media. It's about connecting, building relationships. I just love that. Yeah. We actually just side story. We had a pickup party for our wine club yesterday. And so I did a little talk at that. And afterwards I was going around to the tables and just saying, how are you? What's, you know, what's going on? And I went up to one table and they're like, oh yeah, we're so excited. We just met these, um, you know, they were talking like they were friends for a long time. They're like, oh, we just met them last pickup party in February. And now we're connecting again because it was so fun to meet them last time. And I'm like, oh, like that's, that's awesome. That's why we do this. So that was, that was very cool. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. I've, I've learned so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to coming out. Haven't been there. And well, you'll have to let me know when you're coming out. Oh, I will. And um, you're, you're kind of remind me of my wife. She drinks wine, good beer. I don't. She does. Um, I'll come out and eat and, yeah. drink, and drink cider. There you go. Hey, thanks so much. It was just a, a treat having you on. I'm looking forward to meeting you and coming out and seeing the entire operation. You have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Take good care. Cheers.